You're listening to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. Here's your host, Ed Yonka, Director of Communications and Public Policy. Uh, you know, when I was in Illinois, I passed racial profiling legislation, uh, and it actually did just two simple things. One, it collected data on traffic stops and the race of the person who was stopped. But the other thing was it resourced us training police departments uh, across the state on how to think about uh, potential uh, racial bias and ways to further professionalize what they were doing. That is the unmistakable voice of former President Barack Obama speaking in the White House in July of 2013 about legislation that he championed while an Illinois state senator in 2003. The measure President Obama is discussing requires all police officers in Illinois to record and report information about traffic stops. The bill was later amended to add the collection of information about pedestrian stops as well. Each year, all of that aggregate information for each police department across the state is collected and analyzed by the Illinois Department of Transportation. Now, while the bill was limited originally to four years, the General Assembly has extended data collection on a number of occasions, recognizing the value of that data, as the president just made clear, to provide an early warning of problems and to help target resources for police management. This year, the ACLU of Illinois is working with leaders in Springfield on House Bill 1613 that would make the collection of this information permanent in our state. After 15 years, the data continues to be a valuable resource, and so the ACLU and other advocates, as well as legislators, are calling on it to be made permanent. We hope today to explain the law, what the data is, and how it's collected, and why it matters. But first, we want to share with you a story of what it's like to experience a traffic stop a traffic stop that you believe is based on your race. We're pleased to be joined today by Richard Jackson. Richard is from Chicago, born and raised here. He's a federal government employee and a military veteran. And several months ago, Richard approached the ACLU of Illinois to tell us about his experience of being stopped by Chicago police. And that story is what he is here to share today. Richard, welcome to Talking Liberties with the ACLU. Thank you for having me. So, as I said, you reached out to the ACLU to talk about a particular stop that had happened to you in 2016. I wonder if you could just tell us that story. No problem. Um, Well, it was 2016, uh, January, uh, I believe, 28th. Uh, So we just passed the anniversary a month or so ago. Yes. And, um, well, I was heading home after uh, leaving the car wash. I drive a 2014 Chevy Impala, by the way, uh, all black. So, uh, you know, on my way home, um, you know, I have to travel through an alley in order to get to my yard, which is where I park my vehicles. And I noticed a blue SUV, unmarked police vehicle. So I stopped at the stop sign and I made a left turn into the alley. And I noticed the police vehicle pull in behind me, and they started following me. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much knew I was going to be stopped because based on my history with CPD. And, of course, they followed. And as soon as I pulled into the alley, 
uh, that's when they turned on their lights. You're close to home. Yes. When this happens. Yes. And then the lights come on. And then the lights come on. So what happens next? So four officers get out of the uh, unmarked vehicle. Is there anybody in the car with you? No, just me. And they're all yelling, uh, hey, lower your windows, all of your windows. So I'm like, okay, I just do whatever they say, you know, lower all of my windows. So they all, you know, approach my vehicle. The officer on my passenger side um, uh, says something to the effect of, um, what's what's going on with your tags? Because I do have custom tags. <laughs> so I guess he didn't like my tags. Um, so my response to him was, uh, you tell me, is, is there anything wrong with my tags? Because they, they are valid. It's mm-hmm. just that they're custom. So, so he says, oh, no, nothing, nothing at all. So then he looks at my um, city sticker to check that out. That was also valid, of course. Of course, my grandmother is uh, observing the stop because I was literally feet away from my gate. And she's on the back porch watching everything. I just motioned for her to just stay back because I don't want anything to happen to her, of course. And the officer who was driving approaches me on the left side, and he states, I need your license uh, and your registration. So I give him the uh, license and registration, and he proceeds to um, go back to his vehicle to run my information. You know, after he uh, runs the information and he comes back to my vehicle, he says, okay, have a nice day. I said, wait a minute. Why did you stop me? You know, he said, oh, well, you, you, you cut me off. When you turned. When, when, I, when I made that the uh, left turn. The left turn to go north. Right. I said, well, no, I didn't cut you off. You stopped me because uh, you didn't like my plates, apparently. So um, <clears throat> he says, oh, you, you want to be mouthy? Well, you can tell it to a judge. I'm going to give you these citations. He gave me citations for um, running the stop sign. And I believe it was an obstruction of um, driver's view or something like that. I think I might have had fuzzy dice hanging from my um, rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. So uh, afterwards, I, uh, you know, they let me go, and we we got to court, and the judge threw it out basically. After my lawyer stated that we wanted a uh, trial, we continued the case, and the next court date he did not show. And that was it. That was it. So I filed a complaint, and I was told that after not hearing anything for about, I believe, a month and a half, uh, I called the CPD records department to inquire about the complaint, the status of the complaint. And I was told that it was administratively closed because the judge threw out the case. Well, I said, well, what does that have to do with the officer violating my rights? And the officer basically said, well, the judge threw out the case, yeah, ignoring everything I just told you. You just said, yeah. So, um... That's when I decided to contact ACLU and tell the story because I feel like I was fortunate enough to make it out uh, out of the traffic stop without being hurt or uh, possibly killed. But, you know, it might not go that way for the next person that stopped with no probable cause by CPD or any other police department in, in the state. Did you feel like you were being stopped because of who you were and the neighborhood you were in? Yes, I do. And did it feel intimidating to have the four officers there, you know, just for a a routine traffic stop? Uh, It was intimidating, but um, like I said, my experience with CPD Mm -hmm. has prepared me for each and every stop that they carry out with me. So So you'd been stopped before? Yes, many times before. Uh, Do you remember the first time you were stopped? 
Uh, well, the first time was near Evanston. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at the time, it was 2012. I had just came back from military service. Right. Completed 11 years active duty in the Navy. Moved back home to Chicago from Virginia. And um, I was working night shift at this newly um, acquired job that I, that I got. And I was still on my 90-day probation, it just so happened. And um, it was about, I think, uh, 10, 15 at night. So, uh, you know, I was stopped by these two officers who were, I think, more egregious. This, this stop was more egregious than the most recent mm-hmm. uh, because one of the officers uh, actually stated to me um, that I didn't belong in the neighborhood. You know, you served in the military. You, you, you put your life on the line for the country, and then to be told you don't belong in a neighborhood, that has to hurt. Well, I did ask him to elaborate on that. Okay. I, I stated, well, what do you mean? He says, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, you drive a, a, an, an Impala, mm-hmm. and, and it's 10 o'clock at night. Well, I'm thinking, okay, well, what does that have to do with anything? Why, why am I being stopped? I informed him that, you know, I was very irritated at that point when he told me I didn't belong in the neighborhood. So, uh, of course, they asked me to step out of the vehicle. They illegally searched my vehicle. Uh, I filed a complaint because I was an hour late for work. Uh, and like I said, this was a pro- I was on probation. I could have been fired. But fortunately, my supervisors were very understanding. Um, filed a complaint. Nothing happened, of course. So... I don't know. I just feel that filing complaints with this department leads to nowhere because they, there, there's nothing that, uh, there's no disciplinary action. They cover for everything. Yeah. When you when you talk to family and friends and others, is this a would you would you say that this is a common experience that others have in terms of these kinds of stops that are you know you perceive are based on race? From my experience, I I'm not breaking the law. I'm simply minding my business, trying to get to work, or going about my normal business. Um, so when I'm stopped, I already know, you know, why why they're stopping me. But right. I can't. I, I would imagine if they're doing it to someone like me, an honorably discharged veteran, 11 years of military service, uh, no criminal history, um, then I can only imagine, you know, those who may have a record with the police how they treat them. What would you say to somebody who says it's too much trouble for the police to record this information and have to report it each year about your stop? That, for example, those officers had to talk about what they did with you. What would you say to somebody who said, but that's just too much work? Uh, well, that's just unacceptable. You know, this is the United States, and, and, and if there is a, uh, if there are citizens whose rights are being, you know, violated, especially by the police, then it has to be some method of accountability to um, make sure everyone's rights are protected. So I, I completely disagree with anyone who has that, that, that train of thought. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Now we're going to turn and talk about the legislation in Springfield, House Bill 1613. We're joined for this conversation by my colleague, Rachel Murphy, staff attorney at the ACLU of Illinois. Rachel, welcome to Talking Liberties. Thanks for having me. So I want to just start with a with a kind of a question. Uh, 
When you hear Richard's story, what do you think about that? I think it's a good reminder of the human cost of these kinds of interactions. It's really easy to get bogged down in the numbers and the legal requirements and what data is being collected. Um, But this is a reminder that uh, these interactions are important because people are being stopped and their lives are being disrupted. Why does this data matter? I mean, like, we've been collecting it for 15 years. Why does it matter still? Well, it's a really good management tool for law enforcement, and it's also a really good transparency tool for the public. So we now have 14 years of statewide data available, um, and that allows us to look at trends over time and, you know, all across the state, different communities, and make comparisons. And it allows law enforcement to really examine their practices and identify whether they're being effective or efficient with their resources and helps build that trust with the community when they can see what their officers are doing. So I'm going to ask about that data and sort of what those trends are in a moment, but tell me about what data is actually collected? Like, what is it we're, what is it we're learning? What is it we're getting in terms of just the raw data itself? So the law requires um, officers to collect basic information about traffic and pedestrian stops. For both kinds of stops, the officer records the gender and the race of the person stopped, the reason for the stop, the date and the time and the location, um, whether or not certain kinds of searches were performed, and then whether any contraband was recovered during those searches, and the name and the badge number of the officer. So, weird question, but when you say the race of the person stopped, if I'm the officer, do I say to you, hey, Rachel, what race are you, or is it, do, do I just have to pick? No, it's your subjective determination as the officer. Okay. And so that actually then indicates, in some ways, what the officer's view is of what they're doing as well. Correct. Um, so, earlier this year, the ACLU issued a report uh, called Racism in the Rearview Mirror, where you looked at three years of data. And again, given the fact that this has been going on for a bit and, and we're looking at three years of data, what does the data tell you? What's happening out on the streets and the roads? So we found that racial disparities continue to persist throughout the state. Um, for example, in many communities, Black drivers were stopped at rates higher than their population in those communities. And we also found that Black and Latinx drivers were more likely to be asked to consent to a search um, than white drivers, even though white drivers were more likely to actually be found with contraband during consent searches. Okay, so now I have to ask for the non-lawyers in the crowd, what's a consent search? A consent search occurs when an officer asks a person for consent to search either them or their vehicle. So the reason why these are so important is because they're discretionary. So they're not based on some legal justification like probable cause. Um, And so when we look at what's happening with consent searches, we're looking to see why officers are choosing to ask certain people if they can search them um, when the data actually shows that these aren't the people that are more likely to be found with contraband. And a, a consent search or a search in that way, what, what does that look like for people? I mean, is it just the officer poking around in your the the middle of your dash, or is it is it can it be a pretty invasive thing? It's as invasive as the officer would like it to be. So um, if they you know they want to search your whole car, your trunk, they can do that. We heard um, stories from a woman who was stopped 
and the officer actually drilled into her car trying to find a secret compartment, punctured her gas tank, rendered her car undrivable, and then had she had to get it towed, and she was stopped for hours, and, you know, had nothing was found. There was no secret compartment to Correct. drill into, and an officer pulled out a drill. Mm-hmm. So there was no secret compartment, and her car was damaged by this search. So when the data is collected, when it's analyzed by the ACLU, it's analyzed by the Department of Transportation, what is it that you hope happens with that data in terms of a local police officer? We heard President Obama at the top of the episode talk about, you know, police using it as a tool. What are some of the things that can can happen in that way? So we would hope that all law enforcement agencies commit to examining their data um, and really evaluate whether or not there were any unjustified racial disparities. A couple of good examples are Urbana and Springfield. So Urbana, uh, several years ago, hired or they appointed a task force to look at the data, and then they also hired a crime analyst who looks at the data every year. And they've actually seen a reduction in racial disparities in recent years. So that's been a really great thing for their community. In Springfield, the mayor and the police chief recently met with a group of local residents to talk about the data, talk about the racial disparities that they're seeing, and also identify ways to improve the disparities and relations between the community and the police. What do other states do around this? Do other states collect this kind of data? Yeah, we know that there are at least 17 other states that have similar data collection laws. Um, Illinois, however, is one of only two of those states that uh, don't require the data to be collected permanently. So all the other states, the the data collection is already permanent. Right. One of the points of opposition we've heard over the years to renewing this bill, or certainly now to make it permanent, is that the problem isn't the same as it was in the early 2000s or that this is too hard to collect all this data. What do you say to someone who who makes that argument? Well, this data has now been collected for going on 15 years. So there are officers who have now integrated this into their day-to-day routine. Um, It provides a wealth of knowledge about what officers are doing and how departments are operating. And it's really important that we continue to collect this and examine what's going on during these stops. So, Rachel, the Illinois Department of Transportation gets this data. They do an analysis of it every year. So what does this data look like? Like, give me an example of what it looks like, what it says, and what it what it says to you analyzing it about what it means. Right. So every year, the Illinois Department of Transportation analyzes the data. Um, They look at a variety of pre- and post-stop measures to determine whether and to what extent race plays a factor in police stops. Um, And then the raw data is also made available to anyone who requests it. So when we did our report Mm -hmm. covering three years of data, we focused on consent searches and dog sniff searches. What we found over that three-year period for consent searches were that Black and Latinx drivers were asked to consent to searches 1.7 and 1.3 times more often, respectively, than white drivers. But white drivers were found with illegal contraband during those searches 1.3 times more often than both Black and Latinx drivers. So 
if I'm once this all is once I'm stopped. Right. And the reason that is so important is because that's an internal benchmark. And so we're able to look at once the officers already pulled somebody over. Right. It's the decision to ask the driver to consent to this search um, that doesn't require the officer to have outside legal justification. And at this point, the officer knows the race of the driver. So then it's just completely in their discretion to do that. Right. So a driver that is black or Latinx is more likely to be stopped and ask for consent to search, but less likely to have contraband. That's right. Is there any explanation for that other than some racial bias that's built in? It definitely raises questions about why officers are choosing to perform these discretionary searches when the data isn't supporting these decisions. And so if I'm a police chief in a community and I see this high rate of consent searches for drivers of color, that might say to me that that's where I want to focus my training or my uh, oversight in terms of the officers who are under my control? Definitely. can. All of this data is an amazing management tool for departments. The information that is reported in the IDOT reports every year is only the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more data that's collected on the form, even though it's only a one-page form. Um, and it really allows departments to dig into that and examine where they may be performing inefficient practices um, and where they can maybe direct more resources um, to improve any disparities. Um, one of our former colleagues, when this law was first passed, used to argue all the time that when it came to management, that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Is that, do you think that's still valid today in looking at this data? Definitely. Great. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this issue. Thank you. To wrap up our conversation on this important issue, we are joined by State Representative Justin Slaughter of Illinois' 27th District. He is the chief sponsor of House Bill 1613 and is calling in today from Springfield. Representative Slaughter, welcome to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. Thanks for having me on. Big fans of the ACLU, and so it's my pleasure. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I wonder if I could just ask as a beginning point, what led you or sort of what was your inspiration to become the lead sponsor of House Bill 1613 this session? Well, you know, it's a good question. I think there was a couple things. Um, I did know that this measure was going to be sunsetting, and it was something that I wanted to take up. Um, as many of us know, and I've been reminding folks that, um, you know, then State Senator Barack Obama in 03, this was an initiative of his. And so, um, you know, a Chicago Southside guy, just, you know, really looking up to um, President Obama, I definitely wanted to honor the work that he had did in the state legislature um, when he was here uh, down in Springfield. And then I've got a personal connection with it, um, you know, having um, kind of ran into a few incidences myself in regards to racial profiling, um, you know, was was a really a main reason that I was passionate about this bill. Uh, but then I've also, uh, having a district on the far south side of Chicago also, um, has made me more focused in on this, 
um, this measure uh, because I have had constituents that have voiced their uh, their concerns with um, uh, racial disparities and unfair uh, pedestrian and traffic stops. And so you throw all of that in the pot, and um, I was um, eager to uh, to be the sponsor of. House Bill 1613. I wonder if there's a, you said you'd been the victim of some of these stops yourself. I wonder if there's one that kind of sticks out to you that, and if you could just talk for a moment about what that felt like. Well, sure. And I think all of them kind of stick out. Um, <laughs> and, and, and none have, have happened re- recently, thank God. A lot of these are when I was a younger um, adult. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really, I think, blessed that. Um, these did not turn up in in sort of this ne- a negative situation. However, um, I do believe that it, there was a uh, a bit of racial profiling when when it happened. But um, you know, I remember being um, you know very uh, uh, traumatized. You know, I remember the first time it happened. Um, you know, you read about um, these incidences. You you hear about these incidences. Um, but you never kind of know how it feels until it happens to you personally. Um, and I remember, um, just not necessarily being tra- uh, you know, shocked, but just kind of, um, you know, tra- traumatized mm-hmm. that it was happening. Um, it was something that, you know, I kind of had prepared for just understanding that, you know, um, there are unfair, you know, pedestrian and traffic stops that happen. But, um, you know, I remember being nervous um, and, and just trying to uh, remain calm. You know, right. the, the biggest thing that I remember is trying to remain calm. Um, you know, I uh, was very, very fortunate, um, I think, in both cases. So do you think that, I think one of the things is, after 15 years of this collection, do you think these issues are still relevant? Do you think that these kinds of stops still happen? <laughs> They're very well relevant. Yes, I do strongly believe that these uh, incidents still happen, and uh, not just here locally. Uh, we're in in, a, in Illinois. I think we're um, as a country um, is still kind of dealing with these um, this unfairness uh, throughout throughout our nation. Um, and and that's another reason for this measure, right? Mm-hmm. Why we have to continue to um, address this issue. You know, in Illinois, just for example, there's two million traffic stops right. a year, um, and you know it's important that these stops are fair. We are going to take the time, the energy, the effort, uh, the resources that it takes to uh, address something that's um, you know critically important throughout the state of Illinois. I wonder what advice you would give to our listeners today in terms of things that they could do uh, in order to help ensure that this bill is passed into law. And then I wonder, I guess as part of that, what messages you think your colleagues in the House in particular need to hear about this bill from people? Well, I think the, and it's kind of a a twofold approach here. I think um, a lot of, uh, uh, effort um, could be wisely spent um, communicating the need for this to law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, whether that's you know our local police department, um, whether that's our county sheriff's departments, or all the way up to the Illinois State Police. 
um, they need to hear from um, the residents and citizens of Illinois that this is something that's important. We do want to um, have this data collected. Um, and law enforcement needs to understand that there is a respect, you know, that I think the people of Illinois have for law enforcement. But we want things to be done fairly and in a transparent manner. Um, there's data collection and research and information gathering activities by law enforcement all the time. Um, you know, when it comes to, for instance, uh, building out our gang uh, database, that seems to be accepted by law enforcement. Um, they want to do that information data gathering. Uh, but when it comes to uh, collecting um, uh, traffic stop and pedestrian stop information for racial disparity, uh, to, to address racial disparities, you know, now this becomes a problem um, for them. And, that's in, in, and I think the, the citizens and residents of the state of Illinois, um, you know, don't like that discriminatory uh, uh, practice um, that we've seen. And so I think one of the best things that, um, that, you know, our listeners can do is reach out to your police chiefs, reach out to your local police departments, your, your county sheriffs, your, your, the Illinois state police and let them know why we want to, you know, collect simple information. We're not asking to, you know, collect a, a lot of information. We owe it to this, the, the residents of the state of Illinois to ensure that these, uh, these traffic stops and these pedestrian stops are transparent and and fair. In regards to my colleagues, I mean, you know, I invite uh, you know folks to come down to Springfield or up to Springfield, depending on where you're you're, you're located in the state, to to help me lobby uh, my colleagues on this and call call your uh, the the um, your state rep and let them know that this is something that's important to you. Well, thank you very much, Representative Slaughter. Best of luck the rest of the session with this and, and other measures that you are uh, championing. And um, we'll look forward to talking to you again. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I'd be happy to give an update as uh, this measure moves forward. Um, we, there's several other matters um, that, that ACLU is involved with here in regards to criminal justice reform. And so looking forward to uh, continuing to work with ACLU and, uh, and coming back on the show. That'd be great. We'd, we'd love to have you back. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. That's our episode today of Talking Liberties and a discussion on this important piece of legislation, House Bill 1613. If you would like to help make this law permanent to collect this data about every traffic and pedestrian stop, contact your state representative and your state senator today and urge them to support House Bill 1613 when it comes to a vote in their chamber. We at the ACLU will be regularly updating the developments on this bill on our website, aclu-il.org. It matters to your state legislator to hear from you and to hear from thousands of others across the state of Illinois about the importance of protecting against bias in policing all across our state. I'd like to thank our guests for the day, State Representative Justin Slaughter, ACLU of Illinois Staff Attorney Rachel Murphy, and Richard Jackson. 
Talking Liberties is produced by Max Bever, executive producer Chris Olson, mixed by Philip Van During. Our executive director is Colleen Connell. Subscribe to this podcast and rate us. It really does help. Visit our website again at aclu-il.org. You can contact us directly at Talking Liberties, all one word, at aclu-il.org. Until next time, this is Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. See you soon.